Today's episode of The Beginning of the End is sponsored by Detroit Bikes. Well-made, minimalist, tough bikes, manufactured right here in Detroit and inspired by European bike culture. Detroit Bikes encourage cycling by making an accessible, enjoyable bicycle while continuing Detroit's legacy of quality manufacturing and design. And you know what? These bikes are killer, period. Check out the A-Type and B-Type Detroit Bike online at DetroitBikes.com. Hello. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to share a quick little story with you about my dad. My dad died just before my 35th birthday. My son, Caleb, was nine. I was just starting to have the relationship I always wanted with him, a true adult relationship, one where we were more like equals, you know, like swearing in front of each other wasn't a thing, or we could just relate as men. But he got sick with liver disease, and it all happened so fast. I had no time to prepare for any of it. And all me and my sisters could do was try to keep our mom together and pray for a miracle while we stood at his bedside day and night waiting for the transplant that never came. In the 11 years since he passed, my son became a man, and I'm now in my 40s. And I think about how much I needed my dad during my son's teenage years and how we both needed my dad during my divorce. I think having him around would have made all the difference. So these days, I've had the opportunity to hang out with some of my buddies and their dads, like on golf outings and such, and I love it. I kind of crave it because I see their adult relationships in full bloom, and I'm drawn to it because it's something I've always yearned for. And in my mind, I see me and my son and my pops hanging out, doing the same thing, you know, cracking jokes, texting each other with plans to go grab a beer and a burger. That would be so cool. And I think that's why the story I have for you today really resonates with me. It's a father-son story spanning three generations, each relating to each other as men and preparing for what's going to come next. So here it is. From WDET in Detroit, this is the beginning of the end. Stories about when, how, and why things end. I'm Alex Trajano. Thanks for listening. On today's show, we have a father-son story. It's about a son talking to a father about preparing for the end of his father's life, who is over 100 years old. All of their names are Henry. And the Henry who will tell this story is a brilliant raconteur who is a moth superstar and kind of a force of nature. He's gregarious and smart and always has a smile for you and is always interested in what you're up to. And by the time this airs, he would have just returned to Detroit from a cross-country adventure he went on with some friends in an old converted school bus. So yeah, he's a weirdo, but he's one of the coolest dudes, and everyone around here, including me, loves him. So I'll turn it over to him. Enjoy. All my friends call me Freddy, but bill collectors know me by my legal name, Henry Frederick Wishusen III. When I was born in 1980, my parents gave me the exact same name as my gramps, my dad's dad, Henry Frederick Wischusen, also the third. Not entirely sure why they didn't pick a new number, but I guess it's no big deal. So I'm 35 now, and my gramps is 101. He has been old, really old, my whole life. 
and I have yet to lose a single parent or grandparent. How am I going to feel when that happens? Uh, What am I going to regret? When do I have to deal with my own parents' mortality? With my mortality? Shouldn't I just live in the moment and be glad of the fact that they're all still here? In one way or another, I've been kind of thinking about this for 25 years now. There's an African proverb that goes, when an elder dies, a library burns to the ground. And at 101, my gramps is already losing a volume or two every day. My gramps was born November 11th, 1913, in Malden, Massachusetts, which is a town just north of Boston, a few miles inland of Broad Sound, which leads out onto the Atlantic Ocean and over to Ireland and Germany from whence his people had come. Uh, He was uh, born into a a working-class culture. This is my dad speaking here, my gramps' son, Henry Wischusen III, no middle name. They kept the three, apparently very important, but the middle name, not as much. You go figure. His father uh, actually was an electrician, but the Depression created a great uh, hardship on the family, and his father lost his business because he continued to pay the people who worked for him until he was completely out of money, even though they didn't have work to do. That had a big impact on my father. And although my Gramps might have resented his dad for that kind of populism, uh, my Gramps has always been a people person himself. He loves sports to this day, and he loves golf. Dude loves golf. He, t- he told me it would take an entire another memoir just to touch on his golf memories. At one point, he was the president of four different golf associations at the same time. He's a charming guy. He's still charming. But like, um, like his father before him, he was so immersed in his social life and how he connected to people outside his family that he left very little energy for his own children. He was not a, what they might say today, a, a participatory father. You know, on the weekends when, you know, we were available to be together, he was playing golf. And, and because he was a, owned a business... He would come home late in the evening. It would be quite often he wouldn't have dinner with us. I feel like the only times my dad got to spend times with Gramps was when there was business involved. Gramps owned a business called Winchester Carton Corporation, which made popcorn boxes for movie theaters. He started training my dad to take over Winchester when my dad was 10 years old. I would ride into work with him and ride home with him. And, and, and it was a 37-minute drive in the car uh, each way. So that was the most time I ever spent with, with him. So then we had a chance to interact and talk, and it was very pleasant. I, it, it, my, my memories are fond of that time. Like any kid whose dad is successful in business, my dad wanted to become an artist. And like any parent who worked hard his whole life to take care of his family and climb the social ladder, my Gramps was like, hell no. If you want me to pay for your college, he told my dad, you have to go to business school. So my dad went to business school. And then he moved to Utah, Alabama to work in the plant and prepare to be the leader of Winchester Carton Corporation. And then one day out of the blue, 
Gramps sold the company. He kind of sold it out from under me from one perspective. We hadn't had that discussion. And it was kind of a shock to me because I had really expected that I would take over the business. It didn't feel good to me. There was a a sense of betrayal there. But I recognized business as business. So I didn't really have anything to say to my dad for quite a while after that. That sale happened in the very end of 1978. And I didn't really have a meaningful discussion with him until 1994. Coming up on the beginning of the end, preparations for the inevitable passing of a parent. All of their generation are dead. They're all dead. They have outlived their own life. After a word from our sponsor, we'll be right back. The beginning of the end is sponsored by Detroit Bikes, who make these really well-made commuter-style bikes right here in the city of Detroit. And one of the things that makes their story so interesting is the founder and president, Zach Pashik, who was basically Calgary's most interesting man alive, who left it all behind after he fell in love with Detroit. Just kind of bought a ticket on a whim, came by myself, wandered around for four or five days and just slowly started falling in love with the city and the people here. And He says there were a few things about his visit that stole his heart. The first one was talking to PJ at PJ's Lager House. A very cool bar in an area called Corktown where a lot of bands play. I walked from my hotel and uh, on my way back stopped in at PJ's and he started telling me all about Detroit and his feelings for the city and why he was there. Um, there was one night I stayed kind of late and I wanted to get a cab and he kind of laughed and was like, oh, like <laughs> don't, don't worry, I'll, I'll drive you. I mean, in Calgary, bar owners don't drive you home <laughs> when they close up shop. The conversation with PJ was amazing. Then instantly he was connecting me to all kinds of different people and interesting people who then in turn wanted to introduce me to more people. So yeah, he packed it all up and became a Detroit entrepreneur. He set up a 50,000-square-foot factory on the west side of the city, hired a tight-knit group of highly skilled tradesmen and women, and they're designing and manufacturing these really high-quality bikes. Minimalist and tough. Check them out and fall in love at DetroitBikes.com. Okay, back to the show. Welcome back. This is the beginning of the end. I'm Alex Trujano. Here's where we left off. After feeling betrayed due to a business deal in the late 70s, Freddie's dad was estranged from his father for two decades. Then something horrible happened in the early 90s that changed things for the better. Here's Freddie with the rest of the story. That was a year of deep loss for our family. My Aunt Melissa died and my parents were going through a divorce. I think that opened up my dad and my gramps emotionally in ways nothing else ever had. And I started to recall all of these moments in my life where I felt that I had been abused. Not physically or sexually, but maybe emotionally. I wrote them down. There were about a dozen of them. And I told my dad that I had something I wanted to talk to him about. So my dad took my gramps for a walk around the lake. 
and went through every grievance on the list. And when he was done, he thought a moment, he said, what do you want me to do? And I said, I don't want you to do anything. You've already done it. You've listened to what I had to say. And suddenly, their relationship changed. For the better. That was 21 years ago. And now... He's 101 years old. And I I talk to him just about every day now. His friends were dying off. He didn't have a way to interact with the world. His eyesight is is almost completely gone. His hearing is has diminished. And and so I started talking to him more. And I feel that it's my honor uh, to provide to attempt to provide to him that, that which he needs. And he needs the interaction. So for years, that interaction consisted of talking about money, about the stock market, about my gramps' investments and my dad's income. Um, my dad left the company that bought Winchester Carton for my gramps about 10 years ago and started his own business making wooden bracelets. He always wanted me to start my own business. So uh, when I started my own business, I was to report on what my sales were. So he wanted a business report. So that was his relationship with me, is, is a business report. A business report? Well, I know that could sound cold, but for a guy who grew up during the Depression, who had nothing and suffered because his father had given all of their money away, money doesn't represent love to my gramps. It is his love. It's years of struggling, never giving up, deal-making, worry. It's how his children could become artists without having to starve. And who better to understand that love and money are the same word in Gramps and Ease than my dad? And I can't think of a happier ending to a father-son story, except for the fact that it's kind of my story. And the fact that there is an ending is sad and a little scary. So I asked my dad what preparations he was making for his father's passing. Oh, I'm making no preparation for that. And I've told him that innumerable times. All my preparation is for his life. How can I help him be comfortable in the rest of his life? I've read long books, books that I loved. But when I got down to the final few pages, I just rushed it. I raced for the conclusion, for the satisfaction of like conquering a really long journey. But now, I can't even remember how a lot of them end. Or anything other than the feeling of finishing, like all the compelling glory of the denouement is now lost to me. Since I actually recorded this interview with my dad a couple months ago, my gramps' dementia has gotten way worse. He's like only tuned in a little bit each day. He lives in Florida. I don't know if I'll ever even get a good conversation in with him again. But my dad is still here. He can ride his bike 100 miles in a weekend. His business is new and exciting. He's coming to visit this week. And God willing, we have another 30 or 40 years together, just like he and my gramps did after that walk around the lake. So how do I make his life rich? And like, what has he learned from gramps that will allow us to savor the final pages in the middle pages of our own father and son story.
my you know, my dad's 101. My my mother's about to turn uh, 96. All of their friends are dead. All of their generation are dead. They're all dead. They have outlived their own life. And so they have this kind of macabre loneliness, as if they're aliens on their own planet. I don't want that for myself. I want to have my children around me. I want to have a window into a world. I don't want to be an alien in my own life. Even now, at, you know, at 62, obviously I have diminished capability, and my capability will continue to diminish. And my parents take very few prescription medications, amazingly small number of prescription medications, but they are taking a few now. And uh, it would be uh, wonderful if I could leave this world without being on prescription medications. That would be, that, it's a goal for me. In life, we never know when the end is. So we never know when the beginning of the end is. I think I was maybe 10 or 12 years old. And my dad took us on a beach vacation. And he thought it would be really cool if we got bikes and went for a ride on the beach. So he found a spot on the side of the highway where they were selling these rusty bikes. I think he got four bikes for $30. And he took us out on the wet sand. I don't know if it was the rusty bike, the wet sand, the fact that I was a fat, out-of-shape kid, or the fact that he was just an awesome biker. But I could not keep up. It was just torture. And he just shot forward and he kept saying, come on, come on, come on. And I couldn't do it. There was nothing, there was literally nothing fun about that bike ride. I only remember it as pain. So a couple of years ago, when he came up to visit me and we went for a bike ride, I put him on the crappy bike, the one with the loose handlebars. And so as he kept struggling to maintain his equilibrium on this bike where the handlebars kept slipping, I was yelling back gleefully, keep up, Ted. Come on, keep up. And it was a great day. But my dad's coming up for a visit this weekend. And he's bringing his own bike. And maybe this time I'll just enjoy riding alongside him. The way he enjoyed those 37 minutes he spent in the car each day with his dad. Thank you to Henry Frederick Wischusen III, better known as Freddie. And also thanks to his dad Henry and his other dad Henry for sharing their story. And a big thanks to the band LD for the great musical score. Next, on the beginning of the end, the end of high school, and what it's like for some determined Detroit teens to leave everything they know behind. I see so many things just like just 
sitting in my room looking out my window and I see everything that my mom told me not to be and I never want to be. The things you're surrounded by have an effect on you and it's like, will that have an effect on me? And I, that's why I work so hard to just keep it away from me. It's like, I just need to be the best that I can be. The Beginning of the End is a production of WDET and is made by me and Shelby Jopi. Our theme song is by Duende. Check them out at duendeole.com. That's D-U-E-N-D-E-O-L-E dot com. Also, all of the music that scored today's episode was written and performed by Lauren Deming and her band LD. That's D-E-E. She is very cool, and so is her extremely creative bandmates. You can find LD on Facebook. I'm Alex Trajano on Twitter at A Trajano Detroit, and so is the show at B-O-T-E Podcast. Post your comments on our Facebook page and subscribe to the show on iTunes or however you get your podcasts. And I have a big favor. If you like us, do me a favor and not only tell somebody, but write us a positive review in iTunes. I know it's a drag, but just take a second because that really helps people find the show. I appreciate that. If you have a beginning of the end story, please send it to me. Beginning of the end at WDET.org. Or you can just write us an email and tell us about it. Big thanks to our sponsor, Detroit Bikes, who encourage cycling by making an accessible, extremely well-made bicycle while continuing Detroit's legacy of quality manufacturing and design. Check them out at DetroitBikes.com. And you can go to our website, beginningoftheend.org, for photos, links, and extras. And as always, thank you so much for listening. See you next time. The End. <laughs>